And so because of what he carries. You know, if you need surgery, you're not going to call for a car mechanic to come and do your surgery. You know, there's nothing wrong with, wrong with a car mechanic because he does a great job. You know, when I, when I have problems with my car, I want, a, I want a mechanic that knows my car and knows how to fix it. Don't you? You know? And, uh, and I don't want someone that's, that works at Hardee's come over and fix my car. Uh, so you, you, have, you need the right person with the right gifting, the right heart, and this man carries prayer. I mean, really, uh, you talk about they're, they're in our nation, what I would call prayer generals that really lead the call and passion for prayer for our nation and communities, and this man does, really does. Both him and his wife are amazing. So I want us to stand up, and I want us to welcome Bob and Sharon Perry this morning. So glad that they could be here. When, um, amen. Just to let you know, as before we end the service, we will be receiving a love offering for this man. You can make all checks. You can make them out to Doug Watson. And uh, you can make them out to Harvest Renewal. But we will be doing a love offering for Bob and Sharon. Powerful. Wow. It's an honor to be with you. Holy Spirit, we just welcome you. We want to honor you. We pray for an open heaven here that our hearts and ears and spirit will be tender to you in Jesus' name. I love that you guys talked about Dr. King, uh, Dr. Martin Luther King. You know, he's one of the few heroes, uh, maybe even some of the historians could say, maybe one of the few national heroes that was a prophet priest and a pastor that's been recognized by this nation. And uh, it's very powerful. I don't know if you've ever yourself personally or your family has journeyed to the different places like Atlanta where he was born. Uh, Dr. King was raised by his pastor who was his father as well. Or if you've been to Birmingham or Montgomery or Memphis, of course, uh, Washington, D.C., but uh, our family's been to all those places and wept and prayed, had our anointing oil and repented and asked the Lord for mercy and that in this nation we will see uh, restoration. So uh, I encourage you to really honor. If you've never been on a Martin Luther King march, there's probably some historic black churches that in this city that are leading some type of ceremony tomorrow. You might not be able to do it because your schedule's already committed, but I'd encourage you if you, especially if you're Caucasian and you've never been part of a Martin Luther King historic black church uh, march, uh, their ceremony, their prayer time, their food, eating together, it, it changed my life. It was about four years ago. Uh, I went on my first one, and uh, it was almost accidental. I had no idea that the KKK had started in that county called Benton County in 1867. I mean, I knew it kind of in that area, but I went on our, my first Martin Luther King march uh, on, of course, the third Monday morning, and it was a very moving, uh, very emotional. Of course, it was very different than 50, 60 years ago. People were waving at us, honking the horn, thumbs up. I thought, wow, what a change in uh, 50, 60 years. So, uh, Lord, we do pray that this church will be a voice in this city of racial reconciliation and one nation, one people, one heart. Use each one of us as your facilitators of healing in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, one little thing, I and I don't know if some of you are on social media, but one great um, movement to, to follow led by young men and young women that are black and Caucasian, Democrat and Republican, both very strong uh, in their political values uh, in Atlanta called One Nation. And I don't know if you, it's, it was really stewarded by the Atlanta House of Prayer, Billy Humphreys, a former Maranatha guy. Uh, he got saved September 1st, 1989, when Rice Brooks, a friend of ours, walked into his campus, University of Georgia in Athens, Georgia, and preached to him, preached in a but Billy has been a real voice, and his ministry has been a real voice, and it's been very powerful. I don't know about you. I don't know how it is. Well, it's probably here in Richmond, similar to that uh, some of my uh, young millennial African-American leaders and Caucasian leaders that are prophets to the nation 
have said, you know, Bob, it's not just black and white is the divide. Maybe the greatest divide is in the political parties between the Democrat church and the Republican-leaning church or the Democrat-leading church. And so in Atlanta, they have deliberately brought together uh, men that have worked on President Bush's team and President Obama's team uh, and come together. They love Jesus, and they're being a voice. They were the ones, if you followed it, that were on Lookout Mountain together. I think there was maybe 15,000 mixture of all different races in the late August of 2018, proclaiming in prayer, we will be one race. We will be one nation. We will bring God glory and honor. And that movement that you're seeing is really something that's taking place globally. I'm not talking about between the blacks and the whites, but if you go to India or Pakistan, it's the same thing. The Indian believers and the Pakistanian believers are saying, no, when we look at Revelation 4, Revelation 5, Revelation 7, it's every tribe, people group, language, being around the throne and, and saying worship and worshiping Him. It's the same thing in Israel and Palestine between the Arab Christians and the Jewish Christians and the Gentile Christians. I could go on and on. It's the same in Crimea between the Russians and the Ukrainians. Now, the media blows everything up, you know what I mean? And, and, and I wouldn't say exaggerates because it, there's a lot of truth to it, but the church is God's healing agent. And so, Lord, use us, oh God. Use us not only between the blacks and the whites here in Richmond, but between every immigrant tribe group that's here, and may we be a friend to the foreigners. In Jesus' name, amen. Man, I'm fired up, man. That's all right. She's the one that's the secret weapon. Go ahead, Dr. Perry. Oh, you know, I, when I was worshiping the Lord, I saw your beautiful stained glass back there, and it says, watch ye and pray. Am I on? Can y'all hear me? Yes. Okay. Um, Bob wanted me to just briefly just share just um, my journey, and then I'll pray for you, and Bob will be taking off some more after that. Um, <laughs> as Pastor Doug said, and um, we've been friends with Pastor Doug and Pastor Cindy for years, we were missionaries in the former Soviet Union for over 11 years. We have four children, and our, one of our children, they're all artists. Well, they're all involved with the entertainment industry in some fashion, okay? And our oldest daughter is married to a Bulgarian, and our, then our son is married to a Russian, and they have two children. So we have, I am a, I am a strong Russian grandmother. <laughs> and I'm actually called Safta, which is grandmother in Hebrew, because in Russian it's babushka or babu, and I didn't want to be babu here in America. <laughs> so... So maybe over there it's sweet, but here people are like, what? And he's Deda, which is Russian um, grandfather. And so we have a very diverse uh, family, which is fun, and I love it's so international here, and I love that. It's very comfortable for us. We have a lot of interesting conversations having Sometimes, Russians and yeah. Bulgarians. <laughs> Most of the time, no. No, we're all very, very close, but everybody, you know, they love their nation, and they have strong um, thoughts about that. And so we, um, so I love being here, but most of my life I was in the performing arts. And then I went a few years ago, I became a social research scientist. I've got my PhD in actually it's social research methods in the integration of religion and society. So I'm a cultural transformer. My focus was on spirituality and mental health. And I just want to say for anybody everybody out here to for your own lives for your friends your family members and for the universities that you're involved with and any kind of field that you're in that the world needs Christian scholars we need to really be believing for that to really speak the truth to have excellence that have a place that they are bringing the light in the darkness and my I wanted to tell you my dissertation specifically Bob wanted me to share specifically is I studied the effect of prayer on depression and anxiety and self-esteem in women who experience trauma. And I did it with women who were incarcerated, women who were in halfway houses who had been um, drug addicts and incarcerated, and women 
who were in counseling and then women who were in a prayer group. And I had developed a six-week course on prayer. I used the Lord's Prayer as a model and teaching, and I taught people how to pray. And when I did this, because in, when you do a dissertation, there's a lot of reading and research, and so it opened a whole new door for me about spirituality and health. I learned a lot, and I am still learning. And it, not only about spirituality and health, but also about Christian spirituality. That was my focus. And that's why I have been teaching and rebirthing these incredible, ancient, beautiful practices that most of you are doing anyway. And we studied some of that yesterday. But what I want to do is I just want to pray for you. Um, I felt that when I this morning and then when I was sitting over there, is just to release everyone in their calling because I got my district, my doctorate, my PhD when I was 60. And so it's never too late. And um, that was a couple of years ago. And so I, want, I believe in lifelong learning, but I was also an artist my whole life, performing artist, and now I'm a visual artist, but I'm also a scientist. And so I want to encourage people that it's okay. And I was a missionary. <laughs> Um, to do what's in your heart. Paul said, whatever you do, do for the glory of God. And as we are coming into this fast, the first thing is to pray for yourself that God would release you into who you really are. In Judaism, the rabbis teach that the greatest way that you can glorify God is to find out what you were created to be and to do that. And so I pray when you're on this fast that you not only release that God is releasing that in you, but also that you're calling it forth in your prayers prophetically over this city and over the nation, over the people that you know. I know there's universities. This is the seat of government. There's huge medical um, industry here. And so I just want to pray that God is going to give you that power to speak it over your own life and not to be afraid. I kept um, hearing that the Lord wants to tell you to not be afraid to be bold, to have courage, to be who you are, to be excellent, to have perseverance, to finish the race, and to be strong into what God's called you to. And so I want to just pray for everyone. And um, some of the things I really felt like, uh, all the people that feel a call to the arts, if they are an artist, if they're filmmakers, they're journalists, writers, um, visual artists, dancers, performing artists, any kind of musicians, um, I would like you to stand, and I want to pray for you, and people around that you just lay, yes, well, just anyone who feels this kind, that that's part of who you are, and, and I just want to pray, and I, especially filmmakers, are there any um, script writers here, or filmmakers, raise your hand, okay, um, my, um, three of my children, actually probably Robbie too, have been involved with filmmaking, and my son is a producer and a director and a scriptwriter, and it is hard. And you know, I don't know if you've already realized this, but the um, filmmakers are the ones who are discipling the millennials, and so we need really good scriptwriters, and we need lots of money to be released. So all people around you, lay hands on them, please. Father, I thank you for the artist here God, you said that the, I know that the arts are a prophetic tool in the hand of God, that you would fill them with the spirit of truth and revelation, Lord, that they would have the ability to do the arts that they're called to and that they would be able to teach and that the anointing of God would be upon them. I pray that you would protect them from the evil one, that you would surround them with angels. I pray you give them creative ideas. I pray that they would be bold. I pray that they would speak the truth the truth through their arts. And Lord, I thank you that you love the arts. You are the creator of the universe, that you reveal all things, God, and that you bring beauty upon the earth. And so we pray for them for protection. I pray that they can disciple others, that they can impart to others. And I pray for protection. And I also pray for release of finances. Lots and lots of finances. We thank you for that in the name of Jesus. Amen. And I, I also, did you want to pray something? I Lord, we do. I just want to agree with Sharon's prayer for our children and our children's children and our great-grandchildren that we might not even have. I pray for leadership and favor to be upon each one of them, especially those that you've developed and called and set apart to be creative instruments. 
Let favor be on their life. Let wisdom, and let them bring you glory and honor in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. And you, you can have a seat. And I would like to pray for those that are in the medical field, that your doctors or nurses, caretakers, do we have any here? Please stand. Yes. First of all, I just want to honor you. I, I, really. Yes. Really. Yes. Amen. When I was sitting there, I felt like the Lord wanted me to just pray a blessing and to honor you because the reality is the majority of healing that happens in the world is through doctors and nurses. God does heal us, but God uses doctors. And we should honor them and thank them for all the years of hard work that they went through to get to this place. And as they are taking care of people and doing surgery and doing whatever they do, that God would use their hands. And so if you're close to them, lay hands on them, please. And also, anybody who's training to be a doctor or nurse, please stand. Thank you, Lord. And Father, we thank you for the gift of healing that you have given them. And I pray that they are going to have the hands of God when they help people, when they're doing surgery, when they're trying to come up with ideas and um, creative ways of healing for people. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would protect them from any disease or illness. I pray that they would see things that nobody else sees, God, that they would have, uh, they would know what to do. And also pray you encourage them. It is hard work to take care of the sick, and especially those that are in long-term care. I pray for a restorative spirit to come upon them and healing in Jesus' name. Lord, we thank you that the Jesus began his ministry coming out of his fast and said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. And Lord, we pray for these that are in the medical world, whether, Lord, uh, they're in administration, Lord, whether they're in uh, the whole aspect of it, nursing, caring, Lord, uh, we ask that the spirit of the Lord be upon them. Remove the discouragement, remove the disappointment, Lord, remove the weight, Lord, of all the uh, uh, the administration and pain and, and uh, paperwork and all the different pressures that they're feeling with liabilities and so forth. I pray that this week during this corporate fast, global fast that's taking place, that healing will be released and they'll be refreshed even in their service. They'll be refreshed and they'll be encouraged. Remove the cynicism that's around them, in them, uh, there's the staffs they work with, Lord, remove any hardness of heart, Lord, and we pray for refreshing, 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 new joy in their workplace, new joy, new life for them and their uh, partners and their staffs and their teams together. In Jesus' name, new life, new joy. In Jesus' name. And also, Lord, those that have taken care of people who have passed away, I pray that you would heal their hearts. They've seen, many people have seen death. And, Lord, that is a hard thing. And, Lord, sometimes people take on false responsibility. Father, I pray that you would release off of them those lies of the enemy and a spirit of death even off them that wants to haunt them. And, Father, I pray even today when we are celebrating pro-life, that they would understand what they are doing, that they are in the business of life. And I thank you for that. And in fact, is there anybody here who's a midwife or a doctor who delivers babies? Anybody here or training for that? No? Okay, all those that are in this community, we pray for those, especially today, that are bringing life into this world. We pray, God, for all those babies. We thank you, God. You're showing the midwives and the doctors how to prevent terrible things from happening in front of the mother and the baby. We bless them, bless them, bless them in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Amen. Um, and then I'd Amen. like to pray for um, all people. You know, we could pray all day for everybody here, but there's a real purpose. I want you to be released in what you're called to do. And just two more people I want to pray for, those that are in counseling or mental health, psychiatrists, psychologists, people, anything to do with the brain and science who are helping, please stand. That or feel Christian called care to counseling. Christian care counseling. Yes. Please counseling. stand. Yes. Yes. Oh, hallelujah. Yes. Amen. Amen. 
Yes. Praise God. Yes. Yes. Lay hands on those people. Father, we know that right now, depression and and anxiety is the biggest problem in mental health in the world. We pray for these people, first of all, that you protect them from the evil one. We pray that they would have the words of life to, to break the yoke over people. Jesus, you said that I came to heal the brokenhearted and to set the captives free. I pray that you would use these people to heal the brokenhearted and to set the captives free. And I pray for creative ideas about the brain, how to help people in physically about the brain and as well as in counseling. I pray for creative ideas, creative ideas just coming down upon them. And I pray, Father, for open doors and send people that you are have, that need help in Jesus' name. And I thank you for that. Thank you, Father. And the last people Amen. that I want to pray for... <laughs> Of course, there's educators, there's all this, there's, and, but all those, I, I want the people who are uh, mothers who feel like, well, I don't do anything, I'm just a mom, I'm not a doctor, a lawyer, a midwife, or an artist, I'm just a mom. Never, ever say, I'm just a mom, or a homemaker, because it is the hardest job. No, it really is. It is not for the faint of heart. And I have four kids who are grown, two grandchildren, and I homeschooled my kids, K, two of them, K through to college. And so I know it is not for the faint of heart. So all those mothers stand up that right now you feel like that's all you're doing is being a mother. I just want to pray for you. All okay? the moms. All the moms. In fact, let's just have the all the mothers stand, stand up. Mothers, grandmothers. Let's give praise to the moms. Hallelujah. Yes. Yes, we yes. thank you, thank you, thank you. Yes. Lay hands on them if you're near them. Encouragement. Yes, we pray for encouragement. We pray for peace. I pray for uh, just stability of emotions and hormones, especially for women who've just had babies. I pray for a good night's sleep. And I pray that you would encircle them, Father, with friends that would help them, Lord, to have a day off. Lord, I pray you'd have, that everybody would help each other would clean their house and come and take care of their kids for two hours. And we pray, Lord, for that vision, the long-term vision of what they're doing. They are building a nation. And that they would see that, God. They are building a nation. And I thank you for that in Jesus' name. And, Lord, I pray for all the other people. We have not forgotten about you. I pray that the Spirit of God would release all those, God, of of what you're called to be. And I thank you for that. And I want everyone to stand. We're going to close with a prayer of my part here. Thank you, Father. I know I stirred up a lot of prophetic anointing here. I can see it kind of going. Everybody's got words for one another and want to say, keep that going. And I just want to pray the Lord's Prayer. All right, let's all say that together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Amen. God bless you and your fast. Amen. Yes. I want, let's, I want to pray for Sharon. She's going to go minister to our children and our youth downstairs. So, Lord, we just thank you for creativity and the Spirit of the Lord being upon Sharon as she ministers to the sheep, the little lambs. Let your grace be upon her. Let creativity flow out of her. And let favor, favor, favor be upon her. In Jesus' name, amen. Go in the power. All right. Well, for the next 20 minutes, I want to share with you about the power of prayer and fasting. And uh, you're part of something significant and great that's taking place not only in your congregation, but what's taking place across the city and across the nation. And I'll share a little bit about it. Um, the, The title of my message is Pray First. And we kind of demonstrated that to you. We are praying people. Um, 
We, we never as a family kind of excelled in home devotionals and Bible studies, but we lived prayer continually. You know, our children would go to school or they would go on a trip or something like that, and we would lay hands on them or hold hands and say, go in the name of the Lord, be strong and mighty in Him. So it might, even though I was an intercessor and a weeper and a travailer, we kept prayer in short segments there. I think one of the ways I was inspired, some of you have heard of the great evangelist of the last century, Smith Wigglesworth. And they would always say, Smith Wigglesworth, how long do you pray? And he says, well, he never answered the question, but he answered it this way. I never go more than 30 minutes without praying. So it wasn't like he fell on his knees and stopped, but throughout his day he was a plumber by trade. He would commune with God. And that's with the whole aspect of fasting and prayer, the great thing that you're doing is resetting things. You're saying, Lord, the world and its pull that's been upon me, I'm disconnecting and I'm setting it upon you. I want to share just a few testimonies that we've already seen um, with prayer and fasting. Uh, many churches across the nation, that we, we calculated with Jensen Franklin and Rob Morris from Dallas and uh, Chris Hodges from Alabama and a number of guys, uh, George Otis Jr. and other guys that are researchers, that this month there's going to be at least 3.5 million people that are Christians that are going to be fasting. Last year it was 3.2 million. But they think, it, they think it might even be closer to 5 million people that are fasting. So some congregations started on January 1st. Some started on the first Sunday of January. Each congregation kind of has its own little culture. But in our world in Nashville, Tennessee, which is kind of like your sister city, we might talk a little bit about that, um, how to build together. But Nashville, we have 300 congregations that are fasting and praying uh, for at least five days. Five days, seven days, 10 days, 21 days, 30 days, and 40 days. And we're praying for the lost. We're targeting lost people that don't know Jesus or our children that have gone wayward or our grandchildren and so forth. So here's just a few testimonies that we're getting. Oh, if you want to look at that website to see what we're doing in Nashville, it's called Awaken Nashville. I think it's .com. AwakenNashville.com or is it AwakenNashville.org? I should know it. I helped create it. Um, but I always get confused with Oregon.com. But the reason I mention that is that is part of the reason I came, was not only to personally see what God wants to do in your life and in your congregation, but to lay a foundation and to prepare a way that in 2020 here in Richmond, we're going to see a real movement, maybe of at least 100 churches, they're going to be fasting together with one heart and one spirit to see His kingdom come to the greater Richmond area. But that's for another note, but that's what I, I sense that God's going to do. So here's a few testimonies. I think it's pretty cool these different testimonies that have already been coming in. One, I feel closer to God. So you're fast. You're going to sense you're going to feel closer to God. Here's one. Thank you, Lord, for the restoration that is taking place in my family. So a family, this family, mother and father, hadn't heard of their child, hadn't heard from their child in six and a half years. They had a fight, knockout, drag, six and a half years. The mom got saved. She had a anger and a temper problem, ran this, the 21-year-old the, the off, and during the fast, he reached out and said, Mom and Dad, I'm sorry. I've come to know Jesus. I, my pastor and the counselor said I should forgive, and I'm forgiving, and I feel like I should reach out to you. During the fast, 2019. Thank you, Lord. Here's another one. Thanks to God for getting my child into rehab and bringing hope in my family. I don't know... Uh, if opioids and alcohol and drug addictions are strong here and, and meth here, uh, but in the, the Nashville and in the Tennessee state, man, we got an epidemic. Uh, the, maybe the, the good news for, maybe the hope for us is, I don't know if some of you might not follow too much political news outside your state, but yesterday in the state of Tennessee, um, we have a new governor, and he's a weeping, travailing intercessor. I mean, he's generation businessman. You know, his father, his grandfather, his grandfather. Uh, he's Caucasian, but for 35 years he served the poor, 
in the Nashville area. So many stories of what he did for Native American Indians in the, in the 70s and 80s and 90s when he was a t- teenager and a college student. Um, he grew up, his roommate, I think in co- his roommate, or they were next to each other in the dorm was Michael W. Smith. I don't know if you've ever heard of Michael W. So it was, their stories go way back, but our new governor, Bill Lee, a weeping, travailing intercessor that loves the poor. And uh, it's fascinating. He's a Republican, too. I'm not sure they kind of go together, uh, loving the poor, but uh, we'll see how it works out. He is already, he's, he's being burned on both sides. You know what I mean? It's, it's fascinating to see a guy that wants to see both, you know what I mean, come together, oneness, one heart. He is being barbecued by the right-wing right. You know what I mean? And uh, he's a radical guy in one of my best friends' church, Steve Burgers, in uh, Franklin, Leaper's Fork. So uh, we're praying for him and that he'll have tough skin and walk in forgiveness. Okay, uh, here's another one. I thought this was pretty neat testimony. My dad does not have cancer anymore. What a great answer to my fast. This one was a single mother. I thought this was pretty awesome. My financial breakthrough finally came. Hers was pretty amazing because she got, she had three things happen to her. She was looking for work, got a job, okay? Then some Christian business leaders had been praying for in their church and said, we want you to start, she had no idea, she was in their home group, they said, we want you to start 2019, okay, debt-free, so they paid off her, all her debts. I think it was $32,000 her home group did without her knowing it. Then she received an inheritance that she had no knowledge that she would ever receive an inheritance. It came like unexpected there, like from a, a, a second cousin who had become extremely wealthy and had no, she didn't even know. So all during this fast, everything, because their church started January 1st, so... Um, I just want to encourage you, get your hopes up. Get your hopes up. 3.5 million people fasting, there's, that's a, that's can bring a shift. can bring a shift in the atmosphere, a shift in the spirit over your life. How about this one? I thought this was cool. My brother came to Jesus this week during our fast. So that one was, that, that, that man was 65 years old, and he had been praying for his brother for 32 years. Get your hopes up. Don't give up. Don't give up. All right. Let's talk about a few things when it comes to um, that I want to share this morning um, here that will hopefully give you hope here. So pray first. The momentum is taking place. There's a serious momentum. I shared this a little bit yesterday morning that we did some research on 22 states and we found out that in 22 states, the largest church in that state, the largest Protestant church, is on at least a 21-day fast. It's fascinating. In this city, we found out that there's churches. Chapel and, you know, some of the Assemblies of God churches are going 21 days. They're calling it 21 days of prayer. So, of course, many people, when they're praying, they're having morning prayer, and they're also fasting. The largest church in Georgia is on a 20-day, one-day fast. Jensen Franklin, the largest church in Alabama, Church of the Highlands, Chris Hodges. I think, they, I think I heard him say that there's over 100 churches that they're in relationship with in Alabama that are fasting 21 days. I think today's their 15th day. Um, uh, Arkansas, led by the National Day of Prayer director in Fayetteville, North Carolina, largest Baptist church in Arkansas, is on a 21-day fast. I think they... There probably ends tomorrow because they started on the first. Um, I could go on and on. Of course, Robert Morris, who I love teaching when he teaches about praying in the Spirit. Oh, it's a, he, he does it. If you've never heard Robert Morris teach on praying in tongues, you know, uh, amazing. Of course, he teaches on finances, and some of you read his book, but he's amazing when he talks about the power of praying in the Spirit. For a guy that leads, I think, one of the largest churches in America. He does it in a powerful way. But their church started on January 1st, 21-day fast. So I could go on and on. So the momentum is there. Let me share a verse 2 with you. Luke 18, verse 1. 
Okay, Jesus told a story that we ought to always pray and not give up. I mean, he told a parable here. There's two basic principles for us. is always pray, always pray, and never give up. That's what Jesus is saying to you and I. Always pray and never give up. And one of the great things about prayer and fasting, this, this where it's becoming like common language in January, is it instills um, faith into you to always pray and never give up. You know, for Jesus to teach on this, he must realize it's so easy for us not to pray, and it's so easy for us to give up. How about the verse, 1 Thessalonians 5.17? You know, some version says, pray without ceasing. I love the New Living Translation. Never stop praying. Never stop praying. Now, of course, that doesn't, you know, you got to work, you got to cook, but your heart is always leaning in to the Lord. It's always leaning in to the Lord. You're always like seeking the Lord and uh, asking Him for His grace and His spirit. You know, I... This is a statement that I kept saying last night, and I'm saying it like I'm on staff here, okay? Because that's what I I felt like I was a new adopted son here. But I want to be a praying church. I want to be a praying church. I want us to be a praying city. I want us to be a praying city. So, you know, when I moved to Nashville in 2004 from Eastern Europe, part of our purpose was to see Nashville, which was a music city and a great Christian city, become a praying city. Oh my gosh, have we seen a movement of prayer take place. I could share two, three hours of what we're seeing with high-level musicians, high-level artists, what we're seeing through guys like Ricky Skaggs and Michael W. and that arts world. I could share with you what's taking place among senior pastors. You know, that's a, that, senior pastors are a rare breed of individuals, especially if they lead what I call aircraft carriers. That means their church is bigger than 3,000 people, okay? It is like a, it's like running a city together. It's a little bit like a city mayor or county mayor. And uh, we've seen amazing things the last 18 months, with senior pastors only coming together and praying together. Somehow I got invited, even though I guess they trust me enough. I'm the only non-senior pastor because I'm a mobile. They trust me because I'm a mobilizer of prayer, and I've connected them together, and they, this is what I've realized. They like each other. I mean, that's like incredible. I know some of you that haven't been in the church world that's odd, that statement. But really, traditionally, church pastors and priests didn't like other guys for all different reasons, whether it's, you know, theology, whether it's personality, whether it's style, whether they're bigger than us or smaller than us, or our church is small, we, you know, so-and-so's more egotistic. I mean, there's so many crazy things, but God is bringing a people that will humble themselves and pray and seek the face of the Lord. So I want to encourage you um, that. So I want us to be part of a praying city. I believe that's God's hope for Richmond, Virginia. I believe that the, the region is going to become a praying community. We're going to begin to love one another. The Caucasian churches, the black churches, the Hispanic churches, the immigrant churches, the led by Nigerians, led by Kenyans. The list goes on. Koreans, um, Chinese. We're going to see... This city is no longer going to be a graveyard. It's going to be a life. It's going, to be a, it's going to be a greenhouse for ministries and churches. Keep praying, prophesying, proclaiming that more and more ministries, churches are coming. More and more millennial leaders are moving here. More and more different types of leaders are moving here. And tr- trust me, that will be the sign to you that when church planners and mission leaders and Christian organizations start moving here in greater numbers, especially if they're in their 20s or 30s, to start something, that will be a sign. 
your prayers are being answered to change the climate of this community. I know it's come in a great way for microbreweries and foodies and eating, which is great, right? You know, George, uh, Stephen Mansfield wrote that great book. Some of you know Stephen Mansfield, Pastor Stephen, Dr. Stephen, a great book. And he wrote the book on Guinness, right? Some of you read the book where he talked about Guinness was the first Christian company that established Christian values, and it was a beer company. So um, may, uh, my point is with that is maybe God's doing something and reestablishing community, right, community, because it's a picture of what the church is supposed to look like and will look like. So that's my dream for Richmond, that we'll become a praying, loving city. Prayer does work. Prayer brings measurable results. I, 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 let me just share a few little testimonies, short little testimonies. So in Nashville, when we started pastors praying together and the prayer movement praying together, we took one verse. I didn't give it to these guys. I should have. But it's Jeremiah 29.7. Jeremiah 29.7. We know Jeremiah 29, 11, 12, and 13 talks about God having good plans for us. But Jeremiah 29.7 says, Speak over your city. Prosperity and welfare, prosperity and health. So in all the meetings that we have, all the different gatherings, no matter if they're bigger, small, or large, we speak a blessing over our city. Peace, relationship building. Our people will love our city. They will love one another. We will love the police. We will love authority. We will love the poor. We will love the brokenhearted. You know what I mean? So we speak the blessings, prosperity. Man, it's really taken place. We've seen such greater unity between the church of all types and stripes and the police. One of the things that we did was, uh, as Caucasian pastors and black pastors, we took a course that would show us what it, that we had to go through. We had to be accredited to ride in a police vehicle, kind of as a chaplain, but not like as official chaplain, but kind of observe. And uh, we all told stories afterwards, whether we were white or black pastors, how scary that job can be. One of the African-American preachers in our town, one of the great leaders, went in and has been teaching his congregation, especially his young men and young women, obey authority, trust authority, you know what I mean? Don't fight back. So he thought, maybe I should go on this and see what it's like. So it was a female cop. He was with on his ride for eight hours. I think it was eight or ten. And everything, for seven hours, everything was peaceful. And he was like, man, this isn't that difficult. You know what I mean? And then, like, in the last hour, he had two scary episodes that took place. You know what I mean? One of the episodes was at the end of their time, they had to, is it, when someone hasn't paid uh, alimony, what is it called? They, they get a summons, right? You know, you know what I mean? So, uh, the woman cop, and he was behind her, and uh, he, had, he was wearing the big yellow vest, you know what I mean, or whatever, you know what I mean, saying, you know, I'm really not a policeman, you know, don't touch me, you know. And, uh, but he was behind her, and they had to go up these steps and up in an alley. And uh, they went up these steps, and he's like praying in the spirit behind him, you know, and I said, man, this is like creepy, you know what I mean, because it was like 7 o'clock, the sun had set, and then he knocks on the door. It was in the summer. He knocks on the door, and it was a screen door, and a rottweiler came bursting and, and, and slammed into the door. You know what I mean? Barking, screaming, and he said he's like, you know, flinching, like scared. And he said the policeman didn't even, she didn't even lose her breath. She said, sir, I'm here. You know what I mean? And, and went forward. But he said, man, it was like his reaction. You know what I mean? He was like scared. So... um, yeah, we've tried to really see greater unity. Um, here's one little testimony where we, we've gone with prayer first into some of our most uh, crime-infested areas. For 30 years, the crime in these areas increased by at least 10% in these areas. 2015, we came together with the Sacred Assembly and said, we're not only going to pray together, let's put prayer walking... So. The third Saturday of the month, we go with the police's suggestions and some pastors, and we prayer walk. The last three years, 
crime has dropped at least 12% in each, one, in each one of those neighborhoods. Each year, at least 12%. So prayer does work. Amen. Get excited about that. Um, why do we want to see a house of prayer? Why do we want to see? You remember Jesus said what? My house will be a house of prayer. Some of the versions quote Isaiah 56, 7. My house will be a prayer for all nations. There's something that the Lord's doing in this generation that prayer is not just for grandma. Prayer is not just for, you know, uh, the weird intercessor. No, prayer is becoming a natural life that can be done with just normal pulse of our culture. All right, let me give you three practical tips that I have worked in my life to make prayer and my fasting more enjoyable because I want to make sure I'm praying during my fasting time. Number one, have a certain time. I know this is so simple, but especially this week, if you're resetting, rebooting your life, where you want to reprogram your life, reset your life with God, I encourage you to set a time, set an appointment. You could just write like God, you know, in your day timer, you know what I mean, or through your phone. You know what I mean, like 6 to 7 or 7 to 8 or 6.30 to 7, you know. And, and what I encourage you is to do it a couple times in the day. It might be 10 or 15 minutes that you're doing. But set a time with God. The great example here is Daniel chapter 6, verse 10. Some of you remember the story when Daniel was ordered that he could no longer pray. Sharon was talking about boldness. How about Daniel? It says he went to his place of prayer where he had a time of prayer. He opened the windows and prayed three times a day. Now, we don't know if he prayed five minutes, ten minutes, an hour. I would think with his responsibility as a government official, it was probably five, ten, fifteen minutes. But something happens when we acknowledge we need God's help. When we acknowledge even in a one, two-minute prayer before that tough appointment, before that tough counseling session, before you got to have a meeting and you got to lay somebody off, you know what I mean? And instead of just leaning on your own wisdom, you say a short little prayer. God, I need the wisdom of the Lord. Lord, would you give me discernment? Would you give me insight? Hold off. You know, I'll be there with you in a second. Lord, I need help. Would you speak through me? Would you give us guidance and understanding? It, it, can, it can be that simple. It doesn't have to be super spiritual. So Daniel did it often. Number two, have a certain time. Number two, have a certain time. You know, I'm sorry, certain place. Did I? A certain time is the first one. Thank you. Certain place is the second one. Have a place set apart. It could be your walking path in your neighborhood. It could be your, your dining room nook. It could be your closet. Okay? It, it could be just some place where you just find a little bit of solitude. It could be your car. This week, you're just going to shut off the sports. You're going to shut off the radio. You're going to shut off that podcast. And if you get stuck in traffic a little bit longer, you're just going to say, wow, I haven't had 30 minutes of just being quiet and communicating with God. So we know in Mark chapter 1, verse 35, speaking about Jesus, very early in the morning while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Of course, I encourage you, you know, in old school intercessors, we used to teach that you have to get up early like Jesus, Mark 1, 35. And then I, then I don't know what happened, but we kind of lost our brains, I think, because we, we realized, hmm, Jesus didn't have electricity. I mean, it was like, what time's our sun set? Like 5.30 here, Right. You know what I mean? So he was, getting up, he was going to bed like at 5.30 or 6. You know what I mean? Now, now think about it. If you went to bed at 5.30 or 6, if you had no electricity, went to bed at 5.30 or 6. I mean, some of you like 
the first or second day might sleep 12 or 14 hours because you're so sleep-deprived. But eventually, right, you would get into your cycle. For some of you, it's seven. Some of you, eight. Some of you, nine. But if you went to bed at six at night, and even if you need a good eight hours, right, that's like two in the morning. So uh, what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to demystify, you know what I mean? You know what I mean? Saying, well, if you want to pray, just go in your normal rhythm there. I encourage you with that. Third one is have a certain plan. Have a certain plan. Luke chapter 11. Let's just, I want to just read that here. It's one of the great examples. Luke chapter 11. I'm going to turn in my Bible and read this as we begin to close here. And I'm going to pray for you uh, in a moment. But Luke chapter 11. You've heard the story here. Uh, Luke chapter 11. One day when Jesus was praying in a certain place, when he finished, one of the disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray just as John taught his disciples. And he said to them, when you pray, say, this is the NIV, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who sins against us, and lead us not in temptation. And of course, we know some manuscript says, for thine is the kingdom, glory, and the honor, and power forever and ever. Um, my point is, it's important to have some type of plan that you would think. So here's step number one in your plan this week, is why are you fasting and praying? Okay, so, so you should write down or text yourself, what is the, what, for plan, why are you fasting and praying? What are you believing for? Encourage you to make it as simple as possible, one, two, or three things. Second thing is about your plan with your fasting, and Pastor Manny kind of mentioned it this morning, is you need to ask the Lord, and your packet there has some good information, if you haven't read that, that was handed out about the seven-day fast, is what should your fast look like? Are you going to go water? Are you going to go liquids? Are you going to miss a meal? What meal are you going to miss? Are you going to give up sweets and desserts and processed food? So, of course, if you're married or you have roommates, you want to let them know what you're doing, okay? And it's, some people say, well, I don't want to let my, the other, you know, boast, you know, Matthew 6, I don't want to let the right hand know and let anyone know. No, that's, Jesus isn't talking about that um, there. So um, that's an important part here, um, there. All right, so have a plan. Ask the Lord. Of course, praying the Lord's Prayer, reading your Bible is important. Um, Praying for lost people that you know, maybe coworkers, neighbors, maybe someone in your family. This is a good time to pray for them as them. All right, so prayer should be our first response, not our last resort. That's what we're believing for in your life and in a corporate city's reset with prayer and fasting, that prayer is not going to be our last resort. It's going to be our first response in every area of our life. And it can be simple and normal there. All right, as we close, I'm going to pray for you three things. And this is what we're praying for in Nashville, Tennessee. The 300 churches, 120,000 people that are part of our mailing list that is registered to pray as part of Awaken Nashville. These are the three things. Hunger, awareness, and oneness and unity. I, I give them to you. I'm going to pray for them for you. But I give them to you because I think they're transferable here for your life, for your family, for your loved ones, for your community. Hunger doesn't mean natural hunger, but spiritual hunger. Matthew chapter 5, verse 6. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, Jesus said, for they shall be filled. Psalms 42. As a deer pants for water, so my soul longs for you. So there's a hunger there's a desire to awareness. This one's pretty powerful, awareness. You're asking that the Holy Spirit will speak to people through dreams, visions, revelation, encounters, circumstances. He'll send people. You know, I don't know if you've studied what's taking place in the world, but have you studied and heard about what's taking place in the Middle East, like in Syria, in Jordan, Iran, Iraq, 
It is the greatest revival that that world has ever known. There's so much documentation of so many people being baptized. It is like astounding what's taking place. Somebody was telling me uh, this week that in the nation of Jordan, um, in four years, some young people went to Jordan that were spirit-filled and inspired people to pray. And it's grassroots because, you know, government and, you know, ISIS and the West and all this stuff. So it's all grassroots. It's not like being publicized, written about. But out of that one small group, 120,000 small groups in um, Iran alone in four years. And it's just germinating. Similar to what, remember the stories we would hear about China in the 90s. Just grassroots, just organic. Nobody's in charge except Christ, Jesus, is in the front of the army, spiritual army. So amazing. So this is what I've realized. If God can do it in that part of the world, don't you think he can break in and break out and break through in this world, in our culture, in our nation? So awareness. Three, oneness. Now notice... We all, almost always call it unity, but in John 17, when Jesus prayed, when we say Jesus prayed for unity, it's really a deeper level of Jesus' prayer. It's oneness, one heart, one mind, one spirit. And so praying that over your own life, over your own family, and in our own community, oneness, one heart, one spirit. Oneness brings so much more uh, emotion, feeling, phileo love in that. So those are my thoughts. All right, stand with me, and I'm going to pray for you, and then I'll have Pastor Doug come up. Oh, it's so good to be sharing with you this morning. Thank you, Lord. Let's just ask the Lord for hunger, first of all. Lord, we do ask you for each one of us to experience during this fast like hunger pains, natural hunger pains that will be like an alarm that reminds our natural body, Lord, hunger for God, hunger for God, hunger for God. Lord, I'm asking for your friends, your beloved sisters and brothers. Lord, I looked, I keep hearing that you call them your beloved. And Lord, I pray that you release greater passion for Jesus in their lives. Jesus, come visit them with dreams, visions, revelations. Encounter them in a supernatural way during this fast. And may you do a great work in their extended family where they work, in their neighborhoods, in their natural family. May there be a fresh hunger. May they see their loved ones be revived. Hunger, Jesus, for you. Not for religion, not for trying harder church vanity, but for Christ, the Holy Spirit, for Abba, the Father. Jesus, do what you could do. Do more than what we could think, ask, or imagine. Pray for awareness. Pray, Holy Spirit, you make us very sensitive to you. I pray that you open our ears to hear what the Holy Spirit is saying. I pray that you open our eyes. Ephesians 1, verse 18, Paul prayed that the eyes of our heart will be open to the hope of our call, to the glorious inheritance we have in him. And so I'm asking, oh God, for greater awareness in each one of our lives. And Lord, our extended family, brothers, sisters, aunts, uncles, nieces, nephews, some of them we've never met. Lord, we're asking for the blood of Jesus to break every stronghold, the blood of Jesus to break every yoke. And we're asking this day they'll become aware of the love of God and they'll come home. They'll come home. Jesus. And Lord, we do pray for oneness. John 17, oneness in our homes and 
this spiritual home and in this community that the church of Richmond shall be one. Lord, we declare Psalms 133 unity, blessing upon this city and upon our homes and upon the church community of Richmond. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Thank you for letting Sharon and I share with you today.